The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Hey, look at that. It's 335 on a Monday and we're hearing that music. So, of course, it must mean it's time for our weekly segment of Do It With Me, Kelsey. The... Hoot. Hoot. Uh, <laughs> a little more enthusiasm. We'll, we'll work the kinks out of that one. Uh, Todd Hirsch, uh, Senior Economist, ATB Financial, joining us on the phone now. Hey, Todd. Hey, guys. How are you? Pretty good. Hey, listen, Todd, before we talk about uh, economics and the economy, uh, mm-hmm. have you indicated that you will donate your organs? <laughs> we yes, can put I them have. on the spot. And, uh, you know, the answer could have been no, but how did you indicate yep. it? Uh, well, you do it through your driver's license, I mm-hmm. believe, isn't it? Yeah, you know, there's I, several I different ways. That, right. That, yeah. That's the reason I ask, because you're an intelligent guy, and I know you're on top of things, and I knew you were going to say yes, because that's who you are. Uh, but as we were talking about this in the last segment, we were asking, well, how do you do it? And it turns out there's a lot of different ways to do it, only one of which is your license. Your Alberta Health Card, another way if you're a member of Legion, another way there's a website you can go to and register. I didn't right. know that. Yeah, I did it through my driver's license, and uh, I think it's—I uh, think everyone should do it. Yeah, absolutely true. All right, let's talk about the economy. I've been on vacation yeah. for the last couple of weeks, but I was listening to 6.30 Chad, and I did hear about uh, statistics with regards to housing starts, and it's funny that you should choose this as your topic this week, because I thought I really almost wanted to text you and go, but tell me what the but is to this. So is there a <laughs> but to this? Well, I guess the but is, uh, over the last five months, we've actually seen some pretty impressive housing starts in Alberta. Now, for listeners in Edmonton, uh, this is Alberta-wide, so I don't want to, you know, make it sound like it's specific, because some regions, some cities or communities might see see lower numbers. This is province-wide. I guess the but is, we're still a long way from returning to where we were before the recession. And arguably, you could say, well, maybe, you know, 2013, 2014, in those heady days of $100 oil and a lot of people moving here, we actually might have been building a few too many homes mm-hmm. and at a pace that wasn't actually sustainable. Uh, and then, of course, when every, uh, housing starts uh, really dipped in 2015, 2016, but now 2017, the last five months, we've seen some very stable, not bad numbers at all for housing starts. I wouldn't, I'd never call one month a trend, but five months is getting pretty close to what I would call, you know, there's some stability and there's some, uh, there's some teeth to this. So that's interesting. Basically, you're saying that there was a shortage, that there was a period of time in order to catch up. So that was almost recession proof that Mm -hmm. that period of time served to allow the housing industry to catch up. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. And over, you know, the the recession when when demand was lower, of course, housing uh, builders, home builders, and here we are talking single detached as well as condominiums, and the two are very different markets. And, mm. But overall, housing starts, builders really pulled back and allowed that inventory to to sort of rebalance with the weaker demand. So, is housing starts? always driven by demand for housing or are there other factors because i know that there's there's periods of time in which you have to get your application in or your whatever they call it their building permit or there's programs that are available there's interest rates i mean a lot of different things might um you know might motivate a builder to start building again that's right there's a lot of moving parts especially when you look at housing starts Real estate, residential real estate, there's all kinds of statistics. We talk about MLS and existing home sales and 
the volume of sales and price. But new housing starts are actually quite particular for some of the things that you mentioned. But one of the biggest factors that will drive housing starts is interest rates. And in July, we saw the Bank of Canada, for the first time in seven years, raise their overnight uh, rate, signaling to financial institutions that mortgage rates are, you know, that they, um, that mortgage rates are going to start to rise. Now, we only saw a quarter of a percent, so it's not too much. But the Bank of Canada is signaling we're doing this now and there's going to be more rate increases, unless something really goes sideways with the Canadian economy. But uh, signaling that there's going to be more rate increases probably in the second half of 2017, maybe into 2018. So I think some of the housing starts that we've seen, some of that demand has been driven by, well, the economy this summer has been better than last summer. Still not fantastic, but it's better. But I think uh, another piece of it is those people sitting on the sidelines who have been waiting for the right time to get into the home ownership market, maybe the first-time home buyers, they're, they're looking at building their dream home or maybe a starter home. I think a lot of them might be saying, well, you know, interest rates, they went up in July, they're going to start going up. Maybe now is the time to get into the market. So there are those, uh, it's not just uh, economic and, and consumer confidence that drives housing starts. It's also where they think interest rates and mortgage rates may be going. I thought they were kind of already on the rise. This is all kind of surprising to me because as you drive around just Edmonton specifically, you see for sale signs everywhere. Uh, For Mm -hmm. single detached homes, for duplexes, there are massive condominiums going up in in southeast Edmonton. I'm, I'm surprised to hear that everything's kind of just alive and well when I imagine that most people would still be struggling when you're talking about interest rates going up and they're changing the rules around mortgages that's going to cost you more for a down payment. We had record numbers of unemployed people on EI not too long ago. How how is this possible? Because in my mind, it doesn't line up. (laughs) Well, you're not the only one that (laughs) feels this way. And this is, you know, part of the challenge with economics is that there's all these... Listeners are getting bombarded with all these indicators. They tune into the news or watch TV, and there's this indicator and that indicator. And oftentimes, they can be pointing in opposite directions. And so it's my job to kind of try to make some sense of it. Now, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of inventory on the market. There's a lot of existing homes with four sale signs on them in Edmonton, in Calgary, probably around the province. Um, and that is a piece of the market. I think a lot of those, uh, we, what we didn't see over the recession and we're still not seeing is a big drop in housing prices. So you might have your home on the market, but you're not a panicked seller. At least we, hmm. we didn't see that over the recession. We didn't see the throw in the keys to the bank. We didn't see, I'll take any offer I can get. I just got to get out of Alberta. We didn't see that. So we saw a lot of market or a lot of homes for sale on the market but because there wasn't a lot of panic selling we didn't see a big drop in price and new homes their prices have actually been very very stable uh, over the last uh, several years in fact both Edmonton and Calgary and they compete with those existing homes so for a lot of people they might decide especially maybe a young couple or an individual uh, getting into home ownership well he or she could buy an existing home or they could buy a brand new starter home or a condominium. So they kind of compete that way a little bit. 
That's interesting. Of course, you'd also have to look, as you often point out, Todd, you can't look month to month on statistics like this. You have to look year to year and uh, even decade to decade because this is the time of year when people sell their houses because this is the best time to relocate children into schools and to start jobs. And September is a starting point for a lot of people. So... Yeah, yeah, I mean, great. I've noticed it on my own street, Todd. It was as uh, Kelsey was pointing it out, uh, mentioning it. I thought, yeah, it's true. Like all these for sale signs on my street, but they're all slowly going back down again. And if I think back, I think that happens every summer. Yeah, it does. And the numbers that come out from CMHC each month, they are adjusted for seasonality. So it strips away this it, this effect that we see. You know, April, May, June, housing starts naturally start to rise because that's springtime. That's when home builders get started on a lot of things. Mm. These numbers are adjusted for all that. So they strip out all that seasonal pattern that we see regularly. Mm, okay. Um, but like Kelsey said a little bit earlier, uh, I don't want to suggest that everything is all fine and dandy because just some rough numbers. Prior to the recession, we were building about 42,000 new homes a year in Alberta. That dipped down to about 20,000 during the recession. And now it's back up around 30,000. So it's moving in the right direction. But yeah, I don't want to imply that everything is, is you know, hunky-dory. I'm sure home builders still have capacity. They'd probably like to ramp up and build more. Yeah. You know, the pre-recession uh, numbers. Well, you uh, know, that, the thing, Todd, the right uh, sorry direction. to interrupt, Todd, but, you know, the thing is, yeah. is Kelsey asked that question, and I'm so glad she did, because that's where I was going to go, too, is that we get this pushback every time when we announce positive numbers, and regardless of whether it's housing starts or employment numbers or production numbers or yeah. oil prices, we get a pushback immediately saying, yeah, but I'm still unemployed. Yeah. And, and I think everybody wants to know, Okay, statistics being one thing, but when's it going to be like it was mm-hmm. before? And that really highlights one of the things I've always felt about these economic indicators. The, the average person in Alberta, they don't really care too much about manufacturing numbers or wholesale trade. What they want to know is, can I get a job or am I mm-hmm. going to lose my job? And that makes sense. I mean, the labor market, there's nothing really that impacts somebody more personally and emotionally about a recession than their job or their loss of job. We are still seeing the unemployment rate in Edmonton is around 8.5%. In fact, it's climbed a little bit higher. Calgary is going the opposite direction. We've come down from above 10% to about 8.5%. But yeah, for sure, it's still a tough job market out there, especially for a lot of those workers, maybe in the energy sector, maybe in the manufacturing or construction sector, who were very used to making very high paychecks. Those jobs, I think, are going to be slow in coming back, even if, you know, we're starting to see some stability in the energy sector. But the hiring that's taking place, wages are about 9% less than what they were, um, you know, prior to the downturn. So there's some hiring going on, but they're lower paid jobs. And that is, uh, it's a painful adjustment that the province is still going through. Yeah, and it's going to take a long time to recover from, even when things are good again. Uh, last question yeah. for you. It might be outside the scope of uh, what you wanted to talk about today, but with regard to uh, housing values, house values, and mm-hmm. you mentioned that they hadn't uh, moved in either direction too greatly, but there was a an economist about a year, two years ago, quite a well-known uh, economist, different bank, who predicted that this bubble in Alberta was going to burst and had them actually on the morning show so it has to be at least actually three years ago now that that bubble has not burst in your opinion is there a real estate bubble that's going to burst in alberta 
I don't think so. I mean, anything could still happen. And I'll admit, I've, I was surprised that over the recession, housing prices didn't fall by a greater amount. But I don't really think we are. We can expect some bubble or some bottom to drop out of the real estate market for the main reason that going into the recession, housing prices were not really too far out of balance, not like Vancouver or Toronto. And when the recession came, we didn't see a mass exodus of people from Alberta, mostly because the rest of Canada wasn't doing all that much better. And if B.C. was was probably the best performing province, but difficult to afford a home in B.C. So we didn't see a mass exodus of people leaving Alberta. Now, 2017, the economy is improving gradually, modestly. All of that, to me, spells some stability in the housing market. I don't foresee a, a, a bubble bursting in real estate, but like I've said many times before, I can never say never. For sure. Uh, we'll let you go, Todd. Before I do, though, you caused my wife uh, to mock me last night. You had tweeted a picture of a great pair of shoes, uh, three different uh, tones of brown, and said uh, on Twitter that you were curious as to what I thought of them. And I had emailed yeah. you back or t- tweeted you back to say, that's the Holy Grail sh- dress shoes right there. And that I only know if two people could pull it off, you and Lukasik. Uh, but when I showed it to my wife, she was like, Todd Hirsch is asking you for fashion advice? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> In the end, well, that, is that a... so much advice. I was just interested in what you thought of them. <laughs> oh, I thought they were killer. I really did. Oh, good. Yeah, to okay. me, they were killer the same as, like, you know, uh, I don't know, some snakeskin cowboy boots or something where it's like, I love the look of them on somebody who knows fashion, but I wouldn't... You're going to stick with your I can't shoes. pull them off. Yeah, I'm right. going to go with my context. vans. Exactly. So those are shoes you own, Todd? They are not shoes I own. I saw them online, and I can't afford to buy them. But really? I just thought, oh, they're so. I thought they were just a fantastic shoe. Oh, they're killer. So I thought, oh, just for fun, let's get the <laughs> social media involved here and, yeah. and do a little poll. The poll Man. was about seventy percent gave thumbs up on the shoes. Really? How much are shoes when uh, the chief economist for ATB Financial can't afford them? That. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, shoes can range. Yeah, I but suppose. I, I, I will. Well, I will say I'm not going to buy them, so I don't want everyone who's listening saying, oh, that chief economist makes too much money, so I'm not <laughs> yeah. buying them. Well, either that they or the chief sale. economist doesn't have the confidence to buy the shoes in this economy. <laughs> well, and, and they were from the U.S., so it, they were 265 U.S. dollars. So That's I thought, I'm not buying those shoes. Wow. Uh, well, <laughs> they might we'll have, and, and that was on sale, so they were, <laughs> they, I think they were 450 U.S. dollars. It's just crazy. We'll start a GoFundMe for they you. They were beautiful. Todd, they were beautiful, and uh, so was this conversation. Thanks so much for having it with us. Is it you next week or uh, Rob Roach? It's Rob. Rob's going to be with you uh, next Monday. Okay. Tell Rob when you see him that he has to call from a landline. His uh, cell phone is just almost inaudible. So I keep meaning to email him, but I know you'll see him. So it has to be a landline. I love that we have these conversations in front of the curtain. Might as well just take care of it. Okay. Yeah, but mine's okay. Yours is perfect, yeah. (laughs) Mine's perfect. Everything about you is perfect, Todd. All right. Thanks a lot, brother. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. You too. He's just giving me the point. We are we're shifting gears back for a second mm. to being an organ donor. We we're okay, talking that, about that before we had Todd Hirsch on, and that was always a great conversation. But he always makes my brain hurt a little bit. Todd Hirsch. Yes. I love those conversations. I know, but you're right in there. I you, am. You've studied, economics fascinates. Yeah, me. and yeah. me, I'm just like numbers are hard. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> we were talking about um, a story out of Ontario where a 19 year old girl died the day before her 20th birthday in a car accident. Well, she was proclaimed 
brain dead mm. and her, her parents had to make the choice to unplug and she had said she wanted to be an organ donor and they had the choice to change that and I just wanted to kind of wrap up the conversation with sure. one really special story that I okay. saw I this is so special so there was a bride this is a a woman who had previously had a son who had passed away and this is out of Alaska it happened one month ago today and I'd reached out actually hoping to have her on the station but she didn't get back and her new groom surprised her during the ceremony, their wedding ceremony, he said, I have a, a, a last-minute addition to the bridal party. And a gentleman by the name of Jacob walked down the aisle. And she didn't know who this guy was, had never seen him before, had never met him before. And inside of him was her son's heart. Wow. He was the heart recipient. And her son Tristan had died when he was 19 years old. And that was back in 2015. So this, this guy had... Jacob had been living with the heart and there's one particularly powerful picture where she's wearing in her wedding gown and she has a stethoscope and she has it to this oh. young man's heart and he's handsome and, and young and full of life and he ended up sharing their entire wedding with them and, and came to the reception and it was just so, she's just like sobbing and when you see it you just think like this is the power of organ donation and then get to meet somebody who has a piece of not not just your your son or family but a piece of your soul inside of them that is the coolest thing i've heard all day it was yeah it's a very special story wow uh hey uh less special but also on the topic of weddings mm -hmm. were you recently at a wedding with your family in which there was a <laughs> father-daughter dance yes. and but it turns will, out you have a sister yeah i'm a little bitter so is it an older sister or a younger sister? She's younger. So your dad, <laughs> so I guess the MC just announced, hey, it's father-daughter dance. Yeah, and so it was my cousin's wedding on Saturday in Calgary yeah. at Apple Creek, Apple Creek Golf Course. So it was a yeah. be beautiful wedding, and sure. yeah, it was time for the father-daughter dance. So uh -huh. the bride and her and the father of the bride got up and started their dance, and then, uh, you know, fathers and daughters are supposed to join, or couples are supposed to join. And so I'm looking around for my dad, and there's my sister just, like, grinning <laughs> ear to ear as he spins her around the dance floor. So I had Yikes. to I had to. Join joke about it and I tweeted out a picture. Well, at the heart of all good comedy is the truth. Oh no, I was devastated. <laughs> yeah. So did he not compensate? I mean, he knows he has two daughters, right? No, yeah, so I thought at one point like we'd switch off. Yeah. No. They just moved to the other side of the dance floor oh, where I couldn't wow. make eye contact. You know you could have gone over and uh, nope. tapped. Nope. They, right? He made his choice. Wow. That had to... Did, was there a conversation that followed that at all? Because that had to be awkward. No, we're no longer speaking. Are you serious? <laughs> we didn't talk about it. Jeez, that's awkward. And nor will I ever talk to him again. I've never... Uh, I, You know, I know all about the daughter, the daddy-daughter dance, and, and I've danced at my older daughter's wedding, um, and I've described it to our listeners before, but I'll describe it again. It was like me dragging a sack of wet cement around the floor is what it looked oh, like. Oh, wow. Well, I'm not a good dancer, and I was supposed to lead, and I just sort of, I don't know. I, I've seen the video. <laughs> At first, I'm like sort of, I don't know what I'm doing with her. I'm just sort of dragging her around the floor. And I think I realized at some point that this is not going well and that we should have done what she had suggested, which was take lessons mm. or at least rehearse, which we didn't do either of those things. And then 
eventually I just stop, and now it looks like I'm grief counseling. Like, I'm just holding her. <laughs> not moving. We're not moving at all. Embracing. Right, and like many songs over the years, dating back to junior high, now you're just standing there going, how long is this song? So right? long. When people don't join in. Yeah. I even found that in my in our first dance, like at my wedding, it takes for, like, it's just like, okay, it's still going, and everyone just stands there and watches yeah, you, and I you're know. like, do we yeah. keep going? And I was like, leading and like it was really <laughs> awkward and I just wanted like dance floor oh, to fill up. Uh, anyway, yeah. Anyone uh, who's looking for, to adopt a daughter, I'm out looking for a dad. Hey, well, hey, as coincidence would have it. The 6:30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross weekdays at two on 6:30 Chad.